Anxiously with Amy and Lisa. Now here are your hosts, Amy and Lisa. I'm Amy. And I'm Lisa. And this is Anxiously, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us feel anxious. So Lisa, how are you doing? I'm feeling a little apprehensive. How about you? How are you doing? Apprehensive is a good word. Good uh, synonym for anxious. (laughs) Why? What's going on? Well, we are planning a hike this weekend. And as you know, Amy, I get anxious when it comes to spending time outside in nature. I am so scared of ticks and Lyme disease, and it's like really devolved into a completely irrational and somewhat paralyzing fear. And this is like the topper, Liel, my husband, got Lyme disease because we were doing all these hikes in the fall in the Bronx. You wouldn't necessarily associate the Bronx with hikes and nature or with ticks, but there you are. Oh my God. Yes. I remember you told me that Liel got Lyme disease, which is our worst nightmare among <laughs> among our many worst nightmares. <laughs> among many. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with my fears of the outdoors. In seventh grade, our class went on a mandatory camping trip. It was all these New York City kids, but some of them were made of hardier stuff than I am. We had to sleep out in the woods. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life. We were in this flimsy tent. I remember lying on the cold, hard ground with like twigs poking into my back. I was convinced there was like a bear coming to maul me, wolves. Like I didn't sleep all night. All I could think is why would anyone in their right minds do this for fun (laughs) when hotels exist? I know you and you like don't feel that way though, right? Like you I mean, generally speaking, I do like being outside. It's become about a very singular fear of getting sick. And it's sad because, you know, when I was a kid, I would roll around in the dirt and I didn't think twice about it. I loved it. And now when I see my kids playing in grass, I'm like, oh my God, get up, get up, (laughs) pull your socks up. It's funny. I feel like Lyme disease wasn't this huge thing when we were really little kids. Like I remember it actually coming onto the national radar. I must have been like in my late childhood, like early tweens. And suddenly my mom was terrified and, you know, making us put on bug spray and stuff. Yeah. I remember when it became a thing too. And I can't remember if it was like the late eighties or early nineties, but All I remember is I would go to summer camp and suddenly my mom would make me put skin so soft all over me and take garlic pills. We had to take garlic pills. And let me tell you, garlic pills don't only keep the ticks away. They keep everybody else away, too. Oh, no. (laughs) No boyfriends at camp. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But at least you weren't getting Lyme disease. I did not get any ticks or kisses. So worth it. (laughs) I say worth it. (laughs) I do realize that I am part of a grand tradition of neurotic Jewish city person who is absolutely terrified and doesn't know what to do with themselves in the outdoors. Like, this is not new. But it got me thinking, like, why do Jews have this stereotypically fraught relationship with nature? Like, why are Jews city people? First of all, I feel like Jews aren't really. Like, if you step back and look at the grand scope of Jewish history, like, Jews were, you know, wandering in the desert and living in rural communities, too. But I, they were historically forbidden from owning land. And so their jobs were sort of more 
city or shtetl based, you know, they were worked in, in trade, they were peddlers, or they were in finance, they were right. famously money lenders. Or, <laughs> so it kind of makes sense in some ways that that Jews became city people. I don't know. What do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense because Jews have to live a really communal life, traditionally speaking. You know, we're supposed to walk to shul on Shabbat and on the holidays. And so people couldn't live super far apart from each other, which doesn't lend itself well to living really spread out in the countryside, I guess. Yeah. And maybe there's almost something like in our genes, it's like epigenetics where we're like (laughs) trained to like feel safer in a city or town environment. You know, I think about that too. And as a woman, I know if I'm walking around by myself in a really empty space, I start to feel a little bit anxious and maybe a little unsafe. I know like we're told to rely on our intellect and our hard work and logic and reason. And being out in nature, we get reminded that actually there are these wild forces that are at work and we really have no control and we're just animals. And if a bear or a wolf, a bigger, more ferocious animal comes along, like we're helpless, essentially. I remember one time Liel and I went camping in Yellowstone Park and I didn't sleep a wink. I mean, never mind the fact that we had come completely unprepared and were freezing when the temperature dipped into the 30s at night. But all I could think was like a brown bear or a wolf or a bison is going to like charge the tent and get us. People love reading about and watching nature shows and sharing their experiences as hikers, which why? Like, (laughs) like we've come so far in technology and we're lucky, we're privileged, you know, to live in a home with with a roof over our heads. And that's the tension at the heart of this question. I mean, what do people get out of being out in nature when they could be indoors if they are lucky enough to have heating or air conditioning or window screens? For me, there's some sense of peace and joy that comes from being in a beautiful spot. But I don't know, that anxiety and that tension is definitely there for me too. Having been in quarantine now for almost a year, I do find myself craving nature in a way that I never did before. I see why, you know, you've been going on hikes. It's nice that you're able to get out of the city. People need nature, obviously. Like it definitely provides a healing balm of sorts. If only (laughs) I could get past the fear and soak it in. Well, I guess it's a good thing we have Emily Pennington here to talk us through our anxieties about nature. Yes, we are so lucky. Emily Pennington is Outside Magazine Online's Parks and Travel columnist. She's written for The Guardian, Condé Nast Traveler, Lonely Planet, Adventure Journal, REI, and Backpacker, to name just a few. When she's not exploring the great outdoors, she's working on a book about visiting every U.S. national park slated for release from Little A Publishing in 2022. And now, here's our chat with Emily. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. You grew up in suburban Houston and then moved to L.A. when you were 17, I believe. That's a pretty urban biography. At what point did you look at city life and say, you know, I'm going to try something else for a bit and go outdoors? For better or worse, like a lot of big life changes, it started with a relationship. I was dating a boy who was an Eagle Scout, and I was really into hiking on the weekends. I was really into doing these little day hikes. And he took me on my first actual wilderness backpacking trip in Sequoia National Park. 
And even though I was lugging around this huge backpack and it was so overweight, it was like 40 pounds. And we went up to this like 11,000 foot mountain and then slept at this meadow at like 10,000 feet. It completely instilled in me this sense of awe and magic that I didn't realize existed in the world. And I think that so much of city life can like pull that away from you, especially during the pandemic. And so I've, I've found that like one of the best ways to try to grab some of it back is by going on nature adventures and spending time in the backcountry in the national parks. So as I was saying to Lisa earlier, like I am a born and raised New Yorker. I am such a city person through and through. People who live in cities, we've built these like fortresses, you know, where we're all cut off from nature, even though nature is still there, you know, like you can drive like an hour and be in, in the woods. Yet there still seems to be this like huge barrier, at least for, for people like me, you know, who, who are sort of scared of nature. Why do you think that is? Oh, gosh. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're scared of. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, New York City is a really funny place in general because, for example, there was this amazing episode of 99% Invisible called Uptown Squirrel. And it was about how when New York was first being made a city, people really missed wildlife and people really missed having these natural elements in this giant metropolis. And one thing that they did was they really wanted squirrels, but they wouldn't hang around. And I think birds wouldn't hang around very much either. And so they started planting all these nut trees. So Manhattan has all these like fabulous nut trees all over. And I think in Central Park. And so the squirrels came and actually stayed. And so a lot of things that I think feel kind of happenstance when it comes to nature inside of big cities were actually very intentional because people were moving into them you know, a hundred years ago from these very rural areas. That's so interesting. So you were asking before, like, what we're scared of in the outdoors. Like, I am scared of wild animals, of falling (laughs) and injuring myself. What was it like for you when you were starting out? I mean, obviously, now you're a very seasoned hiker and outdoors woman, outdoors person. Take us back to, like, your very first backpacking adventure or whatever that was. Like, were you scared at all then, too? You know, did you kind of fall in love right away? Going back to the very beginning... That first backpacking trip that I mentioned with my now ex-boyfriend, I made so many mistakes. And honestly, to this day, the trips where I make the most mistakes are the ones where I learn the most, even though they're deeply uncomfortable and very anxiety stoking. So for example, I had this random backpack that some people who rented my apartment on Airbnb left me for free. So I had this giant crappy black backpack. I didn't own a good jacket. So I packed in like a leather jacket. I think I did everything wrong. I had like a small like child sleeping bag from H&M. I had no sleeping pad. I didn't have like any correct gear for it being cold at night. I didn't know what altitude was. I just thought I was really out of shape when we got above 10,000 feet and I couldn't breathe. So I would say that the first thing I did when I got home from the trip was, even though I was in love with it, I knew I needed to do a lot of research and a lot of training. So I started committing to doing these around 10-mile hikes every single weekend because in Los Angeles, we're really fortunate to get to longer hikes if you have a car. There's a ton of them within like a one-hour drive. So that was project number one. Project number two was actually starting to do some research on the stuff that freaked me out and the stuff that I was doing wrong. So living in Southern California, there are a lot of mountain lions. And um, there are a ton of rattlesnakes. And a lot of these hikes that I was doing for training, I was going on alone because not all of my friends wanted to go on these longer hikes. Maybe they would want to go on a three-mile hike. So I started researching the wildlife that really terrified me. And I found out, to my surprise, that an adult human can withstand a pretty gnarly rattlesnake bite and 
have many, many hours to hike out of the wilderness. You will not die, probably. You might not even have to go to the hospital, which is bizarre to me. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, I personally would probably get it checked out because <laughs> it just sounds like such a terrifying experience. But um, according to medical experts, oftentimes they'll just make you sit and wait if you go to the hospital. They'll just they'll look at the swelling and you might just sit there for a few hours and then it goes down. So that was really shocking to me that you can just calmly hike hike out. Even if it's a six hour hike, you could just turn around and get back to civilization with a rattlesnake bite. Another thing that I looked up was that even though there are a couple dozen mountain lions, I think in the immediate vicinity of Malibu and Santa Monica and Los Angeles, they pretty much never attack people. I think maybe in the last hundred years, there's only been a couple deaths, which is cool, but scary. <laughs> and to this day, I've never seen one. And I've done hundreds of miles of hiking in that area. So I think one of the most important things to remember about wildlife, and this includes black bears as well, even though they're a little more curious. But one of the most important things to remember is that wildlife doesn't really want to be around you. Like they're as disinterested in you as you are in them. The caveat being, if you happen to be cooking dinner and you have a black bear like in Yosemite or somewhere where there's a ton of people, they might be a little bit habituated. Those bears might be a little more curious, but they're not going to eat you. They're not going to bite you. Like, you're supposed to stand your ground and they will eventually go away and leave you alone. My sense of black bears comes from blueberries for Sal. So I'm like, oh, the mama bear will let you follow her around. See, you need to watch that Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he, he's like a child. Or maybe don't. Maybe don't watch that. No, that makes me feel better because it's true. I think I'm like so scared of wild animals. I have that city person's like innate fear of like wild animals and it's... I realize it's maybe not entirely realistic, like that you're going to necessarily encounter them or that it'll necessarily be like deadly. Are you ever an indoor person though? Like, do you ever just want to curl up at home with like a cup of tea and Netflix or is that not appealing at all? Like, where do you kind of feel you're most comfortable? I would definitely not consider myself an indoor person, except, I mean, once it gets dark outside, especially when it's winter and it starts getting dark at like 5 p.m., it can be incredibly stifling. And so I am a big film nerd and I try to watch a lot of Netflix and read a lot of books when I can. I take advantage of it being dark though when I do that because otherwise if it's light out I feel like I should be running around doing something or getting some sunshine. Yeah lately I've been reading some pretty epic books of Craig Arnold poetry which has been making me really happy. Oh nice. Do you feel like getting outside and, and going on hikes is becoming more like an act of rebellion in relation to the way modern life sort of becomes more and more convenient and you know we can get everything delivered we can rent a house we can rent a ride we could do anything with our phones and do you think like people are feeling more tempted to just sort of leave all that stuff behind and, and be outside and be in a more primal setting back to nature, back to our roots? You know, I think that it kind of goes along with this trend of stoicism that is popping out of Silicon Valley in particular right now. There's a bit of a trend in kind of consciously inserting some amount of discomfort into your daily life on purpose so that you don't become complacent or overly comfortable with, like you said, all these city amenities and all these things that we can just have delivered at the snap of a finger. Venturing outdoors and especially backpacking, like sleeping in the dirt and hiking out with all of your gear on your back, I think is such a great act of rebellion and such a great lesson when it comes to that. Because when you face your own discomforts and your own limitations as a finite body moving through the world, 
it can only strengthen and better your city life, right? Because you know that you can do something so much harder or so much more uncomfortable in a wilderness setting. I think I really struggle with moments of discomfort. I think that's like the, the core of everything. That, And so, yeah, I mean, hiking is all about getting there. Lisa and I were just talking about being women. I hate to sort of make it gendered, but it does bring its own unique challenges, I think. I mean, getting your period while you're hiking is is not an easy thing. You don't have the comforts of a bathroom right there. And, and safety, to be honest. I mean, again, women's safety is an issue in the city just as much as, as anywhere. But yeah, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, like the experience of being a woman in this world of backpackers and hikers. Sure. I guess I would start off by saying that I've never really thought that my safety was negatively impacted more so than in a city. I often feel, especially if I'm way out on a trail, like on a multi-day backpack or something, I feel like the people who actually get out there are generally incredibly helpful. Um, definitely there are moments of someone trying to mansplain to you, especially if you're like a solo woman on the trail. So I'm sure that that's, that's a pretty unique and gendered experience. But yeah, there are inherent things that just come along with being female that, that will make it a little more difficult to be on trail. For example, anything you're doing solo, you know, there's a base level of gear, even for a day hike that you're going to need to have with you. And most women weigh significantly less than men and are shorter. And so your pack isn't going to be that much lighter than a man's pack, but you yourself are going to be a much smaller person. So that can feel a little bit unfair at times. And um, the period thing is very real, especially if you're going to go on long hikes. I've definitely like sobbed my way up Mount Whitney with a pack on while breaking up with my boyfriend and having my period with a fever. So, I mean, <laughs> it's like you have these incredibly, impossibly difficult situations pop up in the, in the wilderness. They are uncomfortable, but they also show you what, what you're made of. And in the same way that you learn what to do for your period in the city, you find a solution for it in the backcountry, and it might just mean getting a little more up close and personal with your bits than you're used to because you are probably going to have to be packing things out in Ziploc bags. Gosh, I feel like that experience like that, you really feel like, okay, if I can handle this, I can pretty much... <laughs> Like totally horrible cramps crying yeah that's, at that's... the time it was so horrible but I was also thinking to myself like man this is gonna make such a good essay <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> everything is copy everything is grist for the mill Amy and I share a really intense fear of ticks for me, it's so strong that it really makes me feel uncomfortable with going out into nature, which I actually love. I'm wondering if that resonates with you at all, if there are fears that some of us have who aren't outdoors people, if these kinds of fears just seem silly. The tick one, especially since you guys live on the East Coast, is like a very real fear to have because the prevalence of Lyme disease is so much more common out there. Ticks generally like to hang on to tall grasses and plants. So if you're on a really well-maintained trail and you're not, you know, jumping around with your dog in the bushes or something, the likelihood that they're going to latch onto you is much lower. Also, if you wear long pants, 
long sleeves. Even if it's hot, you can wear a sun shirt and have like long socks and just like everything kind of covered up as much as possible. That'll really help make sure ticks can't get onto your skin and latch on. But mostly I would say it's really important to just embrace a good bug spray, even though it's not going to smell great and it's going to make your skin feel gross. Natropel is a really great one that one of my dear friends recommended to me who lives on the East Coast. He said he's never gotten bitten by a tick while wearing it. And that's one of, I think that's one of the non-DEET ones. But if you want to go old school and really just hardcore, anything with DEET in it is going to severely limit or completely obliterate the chances of um, of ticks jumping onto you. But it, it does come with the price of not being super great for gear or clothing. Like it can melt plastic over time. So that's something to be mindful of. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know that. I am all about the deep woods bug spray and my kids hate me because all summer long, I make them wear their long pants with tucked into their socks and long sleeves. And they're always like, mom, but it's nice to hear that I'm not being completely ridiculous about this. So thank you. So do you have any advice for people like us who can appreciate the the wonders of nature and the amazing parts of it, but are kind of scared of going into it? Like, are there some concrete tips that we could follow? Start small and start with a friend that you trust. And depending on where you live, maybe start close to home as well. I didn't start off backpacking trails that I'd never been on before for multiple days at a time by myself. Like I started doing day hikes near Los Angeles. Then I started backpacking with a guy that I was dating who was very proficient at it. And then I started doing trails that I was already familiar with by myself overnight. And so I think that in much the same way, like someone could scale up from walking around Central Park, for example, to like taking the train somewhere where there actually are hikes to maybe doing like an overnight with a friend or something. Just make sure you have all your research put together beforehand so that there's not too many surprises if you're a beginner. And um, I would highly recommend downloading some sort of GPS app like All Trails or Gaia GPS onto your phone because then you don't have to worry as much about getting lost or not knowing where you are or, you know, if it's the right turn or the, the right part in the trail to like get the water from the stream. Those are my, my main tips for people who are newer who really want to get out because it's just such a... This is going to sound really grandiose, but I really feel like nature is such a basic human right. And I think that the way that it opens up your heart and mind to just like the greater experience of being human is invaluable. And so even if even if you only want to go on like a little one mile walk around the park, the benefits of that far outweigh any dangers. That's amazing advice. That's so true. I actually want to go back to something you said before we started recording, which was that you're an expert on the outdoors and anxiety. Can you talk a little bit more about what you meant by that? At one point in my life, I was actually medicated for anxiety. I'm now not. Like I meditate every day, which is like a great way to start the day with less anxiety and kind of more mindfulness. The first panic attack that I ever had that I knew for sure was a panic attack was on a trail in front of a boyfriend. This is going to be in my book that I'm currently working on, but like many times over the course of this big trip I went on last year where I went to all of the national parks, mostly by myself in my little minivan, there were many evenings where I took half a Xanax so that I could go to sleep. 
you know, I'm not immune to anxiety just because I go out and I do big things. I think I go out and do big things in spite of the anxiety, knowing that it's going to better my life in these magical ways that are so hard to even describe with words. Wow, that's so inspiring. That Yeah, like owning that and saying like, it's okay, I might be anxious, but I'm going to do this anyway. Like, that's the hard stuff. And I do know that nature can be healing and can help lower anxiety. So... It's kind of a tug of war for me. Like I know it's I know it's good for me, but it does bring up all these fears. So Yeah, it's almost like the anticipation or the planning aspect of it can like stoke these fears and then the actual being in nature soothes the fears. So it's this funny like teeter totter. Totally. What is your favorite but maybe lesser known national park? I have a couple, if that's okay. Because they're all so different, you know? Having come from Texas and grown up on the very flat eastern side of Texas, I really fell in love with Big Bend, which is all like big crumbling mountains and huge river canyons and hot springs. And it's right on the border of Mexico in kind of southwest Texas. And it's surrounded by the Chihuahuan Desert. So that's a really, really incredible, magical place. But also like having the privilege of going to all eight of the Alaska National Parks for five weeks last year was completely mind-blowing. And there were times where I felt so underprepared because Alaskans are just 20 times more hardcore than any of us down here. (laughs) But like seeing gates of the Arctic, actually hiring a guide, getting dropped off by a bush plane, watching the plane take off and knowing it wasn't going to come back for five days as we hiked into like grizzly territory. (laughs) That was such an incredible experience and such an incredible way to kind of like level up your own confidence the outdoors. And it was so gorgeous too. I remember we went to Glacier National Park a few years ago and I was just gobsmacked. I'd never seen a landscape like that. It's This country is just remarkable. It's amazing. And, it, and it's so varied. What's your favorite place for camping and sleeping outdoors? My favorite, favorite backpacking spot is in the Sierra Nevada. It's in Sequoia National Park and it's at Hamilton Lake. That's a really, really incredible place to backpack. I believe it's like 16 miles one way. And then for car camping, Big Sur is gorgeous for car camping in California. Also, I was really impressed with the car camping options in Big Bend, to be honest. They have this backcountry car camping program where you can literally reserve a specific campsite off a dirt road. So you have this privacy and you can have kind of a backcountry experience, but with all of the creature comforts of having your car or your van right there with you which felt really novel to me. I really enjoyed that a lot. Good to know. This has been so inspiring. <laughs> I know. And it's remind like, I, I have actually been to Big Sur, not camping. I stayed in a hotel, but <laughs> it was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been. So it is reminding me, like, yeah, how much I do like nature in spite of all my fears. So when it's safe to travel again, I'll want to get back out there. Yeah, I hope you do. Well, thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so, so much. It was so nice to meet you and to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. So talking to Emily made me really want to go outside. I have to say, like, I'm feeling better about this hike. 
Oh, good. Yeah. And for me, that's a big thing to want to go outside. And she accomplished that. I, <laughs> I love what she said about embracing your anxiety, knowing that you might feel uncomfortable and going for it. I don't think I will ever get to where Emily is and what she's doing. <laughs> you never know. I might have to become a different like human. But <laughs> when I can get past like the, the fears, I find a lot of peace in being outside. So I will carry that with me and think about I thought it was nice. Like I thought it was interesting when she said go with a friend. I was thinking you and I would that was certainly be like a fun adventure. I totally had that thought too. That would be so much <laughs> fun. Lisa go camping. I mean, <laughs> you would probably want to kill me by the end because I'd be like, what was that sound? Oh my God. You know what? I actually don't sleep well when I camp. I get very nervous. Okay, so we just stay up all night and yeah. it would be like a sleepover party. But Yeah, exactly. But with a fear of bears, so. Bears and ticks and yeah. <laughs> Maybe that will we'll do a special episode one day. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Amy and Lisa in nature. <laughs> so what are you doing these days to help you feel less anxious? Fittingly enough, you know, it's February. It's really cold in New York and bleak. But I have noticed that my mood improves so much if I go outside during the day, even, you know, we're all working from home. But like, even if it's just like a 15 minute walk, literally around the block, does wonders for me. I'm sure a longer walk slash hike would do even more. But this is what I can get. And so I find that just making that time and saying, okay, I'm just going to step away and go for a walk helps a lot. How about you? That's good. That's good self-care. Thanks. I've been watching a show on Netflix that I'm really enjoying called Family Business. It's about this Jewish family in France that owns a kosher butcher shop, and they decide to start a marijuana business, <gasps> a cannabis business. <laughs> and it's very, very funny. You would like it. It sounds so up my alley. I love anything to do with France and Jews, and I'm surprised it hasn't popped up in my, like, suggested. <laughs> now I'm mad at Netflix for not knowing, knowing me better. <laughs> Are you feeling a little bit less anxious? Yeah, I think so. How about you? I think so. I, I will say some of what Emily said about her experiences made me scared. <laughs> Reminded me of like the fears that are out there in the world, but that's okay. And knowing that you get it also makes me feel better. I do get it. And I hope all of you listening get it too. See you soon. Anxiously is brought to you by Tablet Studios. Our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by the best band in the world, Low Cut Connie. Please rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. It really helps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at anxiouslypod. And if you have feedback or questions about the show, email us at anxiously at tabletmag.com. For more information about the show, head to tabletmag.com slash anxiously and check out all of Tablet's podcasts at tabletmag.com slash podcasts. See you later.